I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. Welcome back to the BU Find Happy podcast, where here we talk all about how to live a happier life, how to be yourself, how to speak your truth with grace, and how to live a courageous life of authenticity. Well, let me tell you, today's podcast guest, Susan Burrell, is blowing up the self-help industry with her inspiring revelation ideas, revolutionary ideas that don't just include talking about it, but actually doing it. Do you want to live an empowered life? Check this episode out. Hi, Michaela. Can you hear me now? I can. Hi, Susan. How are you? Oh, God. See, when we just align, right? (laughs) Oh, my Um, goodness. I have so many technologies that I can record podcasts on, but it's just like, oh, my goodness. Oh, so I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on today. Um, Thank you. And it's ironic because my first question for you is about a want it now attitude. And (laughs) I felt that with this podcast recording this morning. But before we get into that, can you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do and what you have going on? Well, my name is Susan Burrell and uh, I am uh, an intuitive healer and a spiritual guide. And I mostly work with um, women who are kind of at a crossroads in their life of um, whether it's going through divorce and they want to come out whole or empty nesting or changing jobs. Um, And I help each individual come more into become more in tune with their themselves so that they can make better choices. So they come into clarity and confidence and, and a lot of the work that I do with people is about learning how to love yourself more than you ever have. And the reason why I do this work is because I've lived this. So, you know, I had to learn how to love and respect myself when I was going through a very contentious divorce because when I entered into divorce, I realized that I didn't know who I was after 28 years of marriage. I, I thought I did. I had a master's degree, you know, I, I was educated, intelligent, I'd been working, but the, the pain of divorce sent uh, me into a downward spiral where I realized I just didn't have any foundation of self-love or self-respect. And so that's what I teach now, having lived it. And um, yeah, and so, and, and I have a book that came out, uh, last fall called Live an Empowered Life, a 30-Day Journey. And it's a workbook that's interactive with my website. So there's guided meditations you're required to listen to. There's videos to watch. There's lots of journaling. There's all different kinds of modalities of things that I use so that I could really uh, reground myself and really uh, trust myself and respect myself. And I think that the book, well, the what the feedback I'm getting from the book is it's changing people's lives. So I'm so thrilled because it changed mine. So there you have it. 
Well, gosh, Susan, everything you just talked about. I mean, I'm scribbling notes as you're as you're talking because I don't I don't know a single woman in my life, single woman that I touch in my therapy practice that that hasn't shared some sort of similar story to what you're describing in the way of, you know, a big life change and and feeling lost or disconnected with their true self. I mean, and that is exactly what this podcast is all about is, um, you know, being you and, and finding your authentic voice. And I think a lot of us realize during various different losses in life and changes that we each time we come into these situations with other people, um, relationships, work, whatever communities, we let go of a little bit of ourselves and, and if we don't reconnect with it, it's, it, it, it's gone out into outer space, you know, and it's, um, and then you, you, and then you find yourself sitting there going, well, who am I exactly? What do I want? Um, so, so I, I can so relate to that. And, and I even had an experience similar to that myself, um, about 13 years ago now where I kind of woke up and, and looked in the mirror and realized that I was like a shade of gray. You know, there was yeah. no, there was no color. There was no uh, vibrance anymore. And so I can completely relate to that. Um, so what does, and this book, by the way, such an excellent resource, recommended it already numerous times and have gotten Yay. excellent feedback. Thank um, you. Yes. And I, and I want to talk more about that, but before we get into that, um, what does, what does live an empowered life mean? What can you help define that? Um, okay. So for me, it means living from the inside out. It means being in contact with, um, what I call the divine spark of who you are, because we all have this divine spark and there is a, along with that connection, it resides within us, but there is also wisdom we ha each individual has their own wisdom. And so many people have been taught over millennium to look outside themselves, actually since the advertising age, last, <laughs> last century, but um, to look outside themselves to find something to put inside themselves so they feel better, right? Either the magic pill or the great hair color or the man that's going to love us because we don't we even know that we don't love ourselves. And so living an empowered life means that um, there's a place of inner connection to your higher power, if you want to call it that, to source, to your inner wisdom. And so when people, or I can just talk about myself, when I began to trust myself, which I realized I didn't trust myself to make good choices anymore, when I began to trust myself again, it was because I was listening to myself. Does that make sense? I was listen I have the answers and I didn't need to go around asking everybody's opinion. Mm. And it, although asking someone's opinion with intention to clarify within yourself, right? Instead of don't ask somebody's advice. Now I'm just telling you what to do. Oh my God. But <laughs> when you, when we are asking outside of ourselves, what do you think I should do? Um, and then we do what that person says. Well, that's what that person would do, but you, you need to understand, we all need to understand individually. What would I do? You know, and that, again, that goes, that takes you deeper into really understanding who you are. So 
um, living an empowered life isn't about looking outside of ourselves and gathering all the material things or the hunka hunka man or, you know, and women were taught over millennium that we were chattel, that we were worthless, that we were to stand behind the man, that we were um, not relevant. And what's occurring in the last decade, I would say, is, and we're seeing it out in, in the political arena, is women are waking up and saying, hey, I am relevant. I am intelligent. I, I know I can make a difference. But that comes from an inner confidence that we often wobble on because we have not been supported uh, collectively. And so the, the other piece about this, Michaela, is that there's uh, it's vital that women support each other. And I'm not talking about bashing men. I'm just talking about standing with another woman who may be in pain or may have a brilliant idea and just being a listening post, not an advice giver, but listening deeply so that person can be seen and heard and know that she is standing on her own two feet, making healthy choices for herself. That's that to me is empowerment, really being free of old belief systems, uh, family and cultural belief systems that download not just into our mind, but into our bodies so that we begin to develop illnesses because we think we're supposed to. Does that make sense? It does. And it does. And I'm, and I'm just sitting here and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, she's my spirit sister. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, everything that you said, I completely resonate with. That's exactly what, what I, um, align with what I share in the world myself. Um, I actually was on a a dream journey. I don't know if you've ever done one of those, a cacao dream ceremony is amazing. And, um, I was in this like almost woodsy kind of Woodstock environment with the rain coming down and there were all these women around me and we were raising our voices. Mm. And and I just feel like just having you on this podcast is is evident of that. Like it's 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 real life example of that dream journey coming coming to fruition. I know that sounds very hippie, but um listen, I- hippie dippy is good. <laughs> you know, there's pe- pieces that well there's parts of that that have reality to them. You know, it's not It's not, uh, so here's my opinion on that. Uh, When you think somebody's woo, uh, it's because you're afraid of what they're talking about. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) I, I I have a friend who started as a student with me and we, we, we'd met at a cocktail party and I started talking to her and she's like, I really like you. And then when I was starting a class, I ran into her at the supermarket. I said, starting this class, I think you need to take it. And she's like, oh, okay. And the first night she, afterwards, I said, so what do you think? Are, are you staying? And she goes, well, this is woo. I was going to say some uh, bad word, sorry. <laughs> but it's woo stuff, right? And I said, okay. And now she's, she took every single class. In fact, she's the one that uh, pushed me to write this book. Because she was like, okay, it doesn't matter how woo it is, there's truth to it. And what I what she wanted was to live her truth, which she's doing now because of the practices that I taught her and because of the, you know, what's in my book. 
so so awesome so completely incredibly divine as you describe I mean just really truly um one of the things that you mentioned was making a better choice um from a self-love perspective and I really like that how do you think women feel somewhat I mean I hear this a lot they feel responsibility to others in making decisions and that's why they don't make the responsibilities that align with their true intention or their true self-purpose or their, you know, or, or coming from a space of self-love. Well, you know, it's like I said earlier, we've been women have been culturalized to take care of everybody. So the last person on the list that you get to take care of is you, right? That that's the way it used to be. There was an old, you know, wives tale phrase of a woman's work is never done. And that's true. Because the woman can see the big picture of running a household, let's say, or it, when you're when you're in an office, you see the bigger picture most oftentimes. Um, and what happens is we will do and take on responsibility for others before we take care of ourse- ourselves. And the thing that I learned is I had to flip that. I had to start taking care of myself, and I actually got caught by a client yesterday. <laughs> Because I've been having like a mini cold and um, she was supposed to come over and she said, I heard you're not feeling good. Are we still having an appointment? I said, yeah, sure, we can do this. And then she texted me back. She goes, are you taking care of yourself? I was like, oh, damn. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and I said, you're right. You're right. Thank you for calling me on my stuff. I'm not taking care of myself if I'm going to have a session with you. So thank you. We will see each other the following week. You know, but, but because we, I felt responsible for her. I wanted to show, I wanted to be there for her. Right. But in in that, then I wasn't being there for me. So how can women make these better choices? How do they, how do they choose from the inside out? How do they, how do they choose themselves? How do they make choices with those glasses on rather than what the rest of the world expects or, (sighs) Well, that, that's a big, that's a big question, Michaela. That's a very broad question because again, it's different for each individual. So, um, I can only speak for myself, but I, um, I have had various spiritual practices over 30 plus years. And, um, and what, what I mean by that is either it's meditation or it's walking in nature and running an affirmation. When I and started, when I knew my marriage was ending, um, I was hiking and I started this affirmation that is, I, I am love, I am loving, and I love myself more than I ever have. And while I was walking, repeating that out loud, I mean, if anybody walked by me on the trail, they would have thought I was cuckoo, but, (laughs) um, but I said, I said it out loud to myself over and over and over again until I felt it drop in. Do you know what I mean? Until I found that there were neurosynapses that were starting to reach out to each other and wire in this idea of self-love, that I love myself more than I ever have. And that became my mantra off and on through my divorce, you know? So there's, there's all sorts of ways to, uh, to get there. It's not, um, unfortunately, there isn't a magic pill. There isn't um, a guru book to read. I mean, there's lots of amazing books out there to read and be inspired by, but unless you do the work, 
unless you actually sit down and excavate your garbage and begin to see what you want to keep. You begin to see what you've been hiding from yourself. And you also begin to see what you put up with and then put all that garbage on top of yourself so that you're just in this rubbish heap, you know, not knowing where you are, who you are, where you stand, what you want. What, you know, a lot of people, when I was going through divorce, um, people would say to me, well, what do you want? What do I want? I didn't even know who I was. How could I say, oh, I want this. I want a happy life, right? Everybody wants to be happy, but you can't just go straight to happy. I mean, if if somebody (laughs) out there knows how to go straight to happy, please let me know because (laughs) wouldn't that be great? Um, I I love, I absolutely love what you said about different spiritual modalities, but I, I was thinking about how um, the first time that I trained for a marathon, marathon, the first time that I ran a marathon, um, how it God started, bless you. <laughs> how it started is I put on my shoes and ran until my negative self-talk stopped. <laughs> oh my God, that's brilliant! And then I turned around and ran home with a more like positive focus. <laughs> that's that's literally how. Uh, and even to this day, when I hike, I start out just. And then you know, by the time I'm done, and I'll can I'll extend the hike and extend the hike and extend the hike until I get to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go back to the world now. (laughs) Oh my god, that's that's brilliant, and that's exact that's exactly what I did. There was a certain uh, turn on the trail that I eventually knew was oh my my negative self talk has receded. Now I can use my affirmation. Now, what do yeah. I want? What, how, what's my intention for the day? Or what's my intention for my life? And, and the movement helped me. I did not realize that I was like a tactile person. But movement, um, I work with crystals now that, you know, I, when I'm in a session with someone, I'll hold a crystal to ground me or help me hear deeply what they need or want, you know, and uh, okay. That's woo, right? Woo, no, woo. I have a, I currently am holding a green adventurine right now. Oh, well, there you go. I have one <laughs> inside my bed. Yeah. <laughs> but, so I can relate to that. So I kind of am the person that says, you know, there isn't one size fits all in terms of, uh, spiritual healing, um, emotional healing, physical healing. There is not one size fits all. And, um, so if, it, if you need to use a crystal because it gives you courage, awesome. And if you want to use affirmations because it makes sense to you, great. Some people say they hate journaling. And I have other people that are like, okay, I, I just journaled my brains out yesterday. And I finally figured out why I do the thing I do. I'm like, okay, good. That's great. I, I love it. I, you know, I attend a right club here where it's, it's kind of like a group journaling, which is really fun. But obviously with my clients, I have different types of journaling. I recommend everything from, you know, the daily gratitude journals, which can be a good start to just writing the weather and how it oh, relates yeah. to your day. You know, today's gloomy, today's hot, today's whatever. How does it relate? And, and one of them that I love and actually just recommended this to a client this morning is um, if I were to run into you on the street, five years from now, and you were to tell me, and I were to say, Hey, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? What, what would you tell me? Write that down, write that story in your journal, because I think that that can really inspire a lot of connection to maybe what's missing. Like, 
in that space where we're our best selves when we run into someone five years from now and we get we have endless opportunity to tell the story of what our life looks like we realize wow what I'm doing today doesn't look like that at all and if yeah that's a great journaling prompt yeah if I change nothing today that's exactly what it's going to look like five years from now (laughs) you know yeah so one of the things I see people get hung up on a lot is um when they start to realize, when they start to have some insight to the fact that they're not living their true life, their best intention, whatever, they get angry, right? They, they, mm-hmm. they get angry and then they start to blame or they start to become a victim of that anger. What, what are your thoughts for women who have these realizations and then just get mad at the world and start to blame others? Uh, I actually have had a few clients that that, you know, and, and I myself, I'm raising my hand. I myself, you know, got angry when I realized I had made choices that kept me in a 28 a year marriage that I, it was unhealthy for me. Um, and the rage, the rage, when you make a realization like that, or when I did, was huge because I had been suppressing my rage for 28 years, probably all my life, actually. But so what I recommend is what I did uh, is a, a, get in a healthy space. Like this sounds so fundamentally cliche, but get in a healthy space, like your bedroom with the window shut and screen your brains out and, and beat up a pillow and yell about all the things you're so angry about. And what happens besides a, a raw and sexy voice after that is, um, <laughs> is that, uh, the, the rage has to be released. The anger has to be released. It, you know, otherwise it turns in on you and it becomes a disease. So, uh, and I'm in, I experienced that. I was not, we were nine years into our marriage. I was very angry and disappointed, but I wasn't allowing my emotions because I wanted to be quote unquote happy with this relationship. And because of the stress and strain and my denial of what re- really was happening, I became a type one diabetic like overnight. Wow. I almost died. So I came out of that and that's when my spiritual practice deepened. Um, but I, I still didn't look at what was the cause of that, right? The anger, the suppressed anger, the suppressed disappointment, the suppressed not feeling loved or seen or heard or, you know, all the things I was doing that to get more love from my now ex-husband that he, he didn't know how to provide. Right. And I didn't know how to get it from him except to do more until I practically killed myself. So, um, I say, if you're angry, get angry, but with the intention to get through it, 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 Nobody wants to be around a raving lunatic bitch, <laughs> right? So, um, so I encourage my clients to get angry. And when they do, it, it, you know, it's a shocker of how much suppressed rage there is underneath there. But the, but the story needs to be told, not in a shame and blame the other person, but with intention to become healthier, because you're entering out that garbage again, that all that's garbage that you don't need to carry around. And um, when you start to empty it out by being, by crying your eyes out or screaming your head off or whatever it is, then um, 
then you create an empty space within yourself to fill it up with love and self-esteem and self-respect. But the blaming thing um, does happen often because there is a place, okay, in my experience, there's a place where you don't want to take self-responsibility. It's so much easier if it was somebody else's fault, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I literally just put out an e-journal last week where I talked about having a conversation with a friend who said she wanted a peaceful life. And so that's why she was moving out of her situation. And I said, let's not translate you running away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. You're choosing the easy thing. That's not necessarily what's going to bring you happiness and contentment and peace. Um, It's, it's a choice to, to turn away from rather than to face and walk through. And, and so, I mean, I think it is easy sometimes when, when we're faced with these, these challenges in life to say, Nope, you know what? It's easier to stay in this space that I'm in or to run away from this space that I'm in than to, than to deal with that hard thing. And I like to say, thank you, hard thing. Because at the (laughs) end of the day, if I'm walking through you, I'm coming out better. I'm coming out improved with more life experience than I was on the other side. I I would agree. Thank you, hard thing. Thank you, whatever, um, for giving me this insight to realize how maybe I contributed to this too. How everyone else is responsible, but maybe I created it. Yep. My ex-husband and I used to always say, you know, there's, there was lots of lovely things in that marriage, but, and, and we would always say it takes two to fight, you know, it takes two to tango. It takes two to fight. And so where is my responsibility on one, on that one side and, and what's, what's mine to deal with and what's not mine to deal with because it's the other person's. And that, that feels healthier to me, but I, and I got to say your thank you, the gratitude for the hard thing. I applaud you because I got to go kicking and screaming first. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something though. I've had this realization lately because I, I feel like I want to continually grow. I feel like I am the kind of person who um, can get resentful and have, um, and allow that anger to come out in ways that are unfair to other people, you know, rather than dealing with the person that I'm actually feeling resentment towards I Mm -hmm. let it pile up and then snap at my son because he didn't get ready for school on time or something like that you know but but I've had this crazy realization lately that my energy is insane and I'll give you a perfect example so last night my husband and I were standing in the kitchen talking about something pertaining to work and it got heated not not necessarily between us but about the topic and I just felt myself like boiling about it like so angry and I was I had my tea and I took my tea bag out and I went to set my mug in the sink and granted this is a I this is a new clay mug like a nice mug and I set it in the I did not throw it nothing and it shattered mm-hmm And I I mean, it was, I have set that mug down more heavily than that a million times in the past six months, you know, or three months, however long I've had it. 
but it was the energy that I transferred. Mm-hmm. I mean, I firmly believe this. And, and so it, it's crazy when you were saying you got to get it out. I was like, yes, you do. Because what does that energy become if you don't let it out? Right. And, and, and what a brilliant example, too, of what happens when we are not aware of the energy that is moving through us. Because the, the truth is, for all your listeners, if you haven't heard this, the truth is, is there is continual energy moving through us all the time. It's the thing that help. It's the energy that helps our cells regenerate and slough off the old stuff. It's the energy that keeps our neurosynapses functioning. It's the energy, it, you know, the chi- in Chinese medicine, they call it qi. It's, it, it is an energy system that our bodies are the conduit or, and the broadcasting station for. And so when we are not necessarily conscious of that energy, it will block in the body, creating dis-ease or pain, and or it will come out um, in uncontrolled ways, right? In unconscious ways, like your, your mug shattering. And I'm sorry. And the last thing I want to say about that is all of us on the entire planet are being tuned up right now. There's energy systems that have been downloading for the last several years. And the more consciously aware we become within ourselves, the better we can handle that energy system and use it in, in positive ways that build our lives um, into areas that we want to grow, expand, and just be in. So, I, I was just going to tell you a story about um, every year I go to this um, retreat, uh, meditation retreat called, it's at 1440 in Scotts Valley. In oh, yeah. Amazing. I've been going since the, the actual first time they opened and they weren't even completely built out yet. And, um, it just gets better every year, but they offer a daily Qigong. And that was the first experience that I've had. This was about maybe, I don't know, five or six years ago, whenever they opened with Qigong and without, you know, he, he had us doing this exercise and it, and it's as if we were holding a ball mm-hmm. or two hands. And what's crazy is after doing the, the energy movement, you literally could squeeze this non-existent ball and feel the ball squeeze and feel it, you know, expand and contract. Even there was no ball between our hands. Right. It was our energy. I mean, it was really powerful. And I think that's the first realization that I had that, yes, there is some sort of not only energy within, but energy that, that is exuding from me that of course people in my space could pick up on. Of course they can feel that and participate in it in some way. And that was really an amazing, amazing thought. And when I think about living an empowered life, I think about the, the people who choose to have, to tap into some of these Eastern modalities or to tap into this idea that universally there is a lot of untapped brain waves and emotions and ability to control things and really supernatural type experiences. And when I think of an empowered life, I think of people who are seeking that greater knowledge so that they can have a better life on this planet. Yes. I, and, and those are the clients and students I work with. I, um, I realized, uh, well, during the course of my close to 25, 30 years of 
of teaching and principle, um, I've come to a realization that I, I want to work with the people that want to up level and stand in their own uh, self-love and self-respect and self-empowerment. And, and, and there's many people that are okay staying in their little box. And there's many people that are okay living a life of fear and or anger or disappointment because it's comfortable. And the people I want, I work with are the people that are ready to take that step, even if they may not know it. You know, I have a couple mm-hmm. clients that came to me thinking I was help, going to help them with their divorce. And what developed and shifted for them is they became self-aware and self-responsible and uh, loving and respecting themselves more than, and, and finding their voice then because of it. You know, a lot of women don't have, don't feel like they can speak up about something. And so those are, living an empowered life is an important thing and it takes ongoing work because guess what, Michaela, I'm starting the book study next week in person book study in Ventura County. And as I'm getting ready to teach my book, I'm realizing, Oh crap, I got to work the book again because Mm. some of my old over the last couple of months, some of those old behaviors started to rear their head again. And I'm like, where did you, I thought I cut you off. I, you know, (laughs) right. So it's it's an ongoing thing. We always have to work. It really is. And, and, you know, it also, I think takes a lot of courage to, it's so much easier. You know, I was talking to someone the other day who had told me that they'd recently become sober and had connected with a spiritual practice. And I said, I think the hardest part, and we were talking about that. And I said, I think sometimes the hardest part of getting healthy is that a lot of times that doesn't benefit the people in your life. Mm. And, mm-hmm. it's, and it's harder to, um, to, to, when people start to see you get healthy, they freak out a little bit. They're kind of like, wow, look at you. You're making all these changes and this doesn't necessarily fit what worked for me in the way of what I demanded from you or the expectations I had of you. Um, and now you're setting these boundaries and I don't like these boundaries you've created. <laughs> you know, So it takes a lot of courage, I think, too. It does take a lot of courage. I would agree with you. And, and when, you're, when um, an individual wakes up and realizes that, that we're all on a spiritual path and that spiritual uh, transition or transmutation starts happening within. It's so subtle that the people around us don't realize it. You know, I, I, when I came out of my divorce, I had done so much deep inner work. You know, I kind of sequestered myself for three years and really did my deep inner work. And, and after the final decree, I was, I felt released, you know, I felt emancipated and all of a sudden I would, I would go out in public and people say, did you lose weight? You know, <laughs> Oh, did you do something with your, I hadn't done anything, hadn't lost weight, hadn't done anything. I was just lighter yeah. because all that gunk was, was, I had worked through and released a lot of it. And, and I felt better about myself and that reflected out into what needed, what, what I was doing and being out in the world. So one of the questions I had here, and I, I brought this up in the beginning is, 
um, you know, you, you've talked about this people that have this want it now attitude. Mm. And I see that so much. I mean, posting on social media for that immediate gratification, that instant gratification, how does that contribute to our inability to do the work we need to do? Wow. Um, I have to think about that because, uh, like we started the podcast, we wanted to do it now. Um, (laughs) so what happens, okay. In, in what I see in myself and, and reflected to me from my clients is that, that the work, when you start digging in, you think, okay, there's going to be an end point. Right. And, and really there isn't necessarily an end point. And so we get very impatient. Well, I, I do want it now. I want I want to be happy now. I want to be healthy now. And for whatever reason, I have no friggin' clue. I wish I could snap my fingers or click my heels and make it happy now. But there's, there is a, it, it's a, that's why I call it a spiritual practice. Cause you have to keep coming back to yourself and clarifying. What am I thinking? What am I feeling? You have to keep coming back to the actual, what, the work, whether it's sitting and meditating or journaling or asking yourself big questions that you don't want to face because, uh, because we are all um, part of this dynamic system that is an energy system, a spiritual system. And it's because it's dynamic, it is always changing, right? The, the only thing you can trust is that everything's going to change. And um, because it's always changing, there is no immediate um, gratification. I think that's a, that's a bunch of stuff we got sold, especially when technology started like multiplying itself and rapidly producing new product um, that we thought or we were trained by big box companies, by advertisers, by whoever you want to say that's going to get the money, right? We were trained that you need that immediately now. And that's not what, that's not the way life actually works. If there was no technology in the olden days when there was no technology, in the olden days where there was, you couldn't leave a voicemail. If you made a phone call on a rotary phone or a push button phone, you couldn't leave a message unless somebody picked up the phone on the other end. Right. And then you had to wait for them to call you back. Well, I like what you said earlier. There's no straight line to happy. No. You know, and I think about in so many ways we've taken up, we've removed the work in everything from heating our homes mm. to eating our food. You know, right. It didn't always used to be so convenient or, you know, such a straight line to that instant gratification. It, it took that work and then feelings a reward. And then, so I think what shifted in our modern society is we feel like, well, I can turn on the button and push it up to 72 to eat, to heat my house. So how do I turn on the button and crank it up to 72 to make me happy? Mm-hmm. Cause that's, that's the level of effort I'm willing to put in for my comfort. Wow. Rather than no, you've got to go cut the kindling. Mm-hmm. First, you've got to go find the tree, right? <laughs> and then you've got to go get the wood and then you've got to cut the kindling and then you've got to start the fire. And in a, you know, and after all that's done in in an hour or so, you'll feel that comfort after you put in the work. Right. And then you got to make sure that the fire stays lit. Yes. (laughs) Right. You got to keep putting logs on that. Right. 
<laughs> I love that. So it's just, it's, it's just so true. So insightful. Um, so, so how can people take control of their life? And I know we, we don't have a lot of time here, but, but I have two questions left for you. And the first one is how can people take control of their life today, right now, if they, if they've heard this and they feel inspired and they want to start now, how can they do that? Um, okay. One is buy my book, live an empowered life, a 30 day journey and start today. But the other thing is to recognize, uh, it takes, like you said earlier, Michaela, it takes courage to recognize that I'm unhappy. And so how you take control of your life and, and control is, I'm, I'm, my whole body is just like wiggling now because control I've learned is not, does not bring you happy. Con- mm. Control is the thing we do to keep us from changing mm. and keeping mm-hmm. circumstances from changing. Let me control it so that mm. I don't have to do the work. So, Ooh, I love that. Right. So if you can get to that place of feeling vulnerable, which is a, actually a huge plus when we feel vulnerable, I used to think it was a weakness, but it's a huge plus. Then, then the, the need for control is eradicated sometimes, or at least diminished so that we can feel more comfortable in our vulnerability, in our um, openness, open heartedness, and not, and, and not put up those barriers that keep us from feeling the love and giving and receiving the love that we actually are. Mm. That's so true. And I forget where I saw that control word when I was creating these notes, but I love that you, you, you kind of called that out because that is absolutely true. And I hope that everybody that was listening heard that it's more about inspiring change, making better choices, Mm. awareness, and not so much about control. I love that. That is so true, Susan. Thank you for that. Um, And so people, what people are saying about your book, it says it may crash the self-help industry. Why is that? Yeah. Why is that? Can you share a little bit about why that is? Well, because, oh my gosh, I, that's the first time I've heard that. Um, But (laughs) I, okay. So uh, because if, when you do the work and I set it up that you do the work, um, then you don't need to keep getting another guru book right? <laughs> yeah. It's a continual work in progress. This is what people think they could just read the guru book and solve and solve all the, Oh, I was that person. <laughs> I read just about everything by Wayne Dyer. I tried to live by Wayne Dyer, you know, or Marianne Williamson mm-hmm. or, you know, a lot of these. And, and yet it, I still had to do the work. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had to set the mm-hmm. intentions. I had to find that, that space between, um, my self-criticism and my love, my self-love. I had, a, I had clients, a couple clients, and they, uh, they came in here this last session. And they only come about once a month, you know, kind of thing, every other month, something like that. And then they disappear for like three months, and then they come back. And they said, I feel like we're talking about the same stuff. <laughs> and I said, newsflash, you are. <laughs> right. I said, you guys are coming in here once every couple months, and then you're not even going home and doing the work that I'm giving you at all. So you can keep doing that. We can keep seeing each other once every six months. Nothing's going to change. Well, and this is the thing I found, which is why I I made the book a 30-day journey. A lot of people are doing it over 60 days or 90 days. It doesn't matter as long as you do it. But the consistency 
of doing the work. And it has to be a daily consistent working to get to the thing you say you want, you know? Absolutely. It's it absolutely is so true. I mean, I think that we pick up these things and we do them for a day or two or a week. And then we're, you know, go right back to our old habits. It takes longer than that. It, it does. And I had a client when the book came out, she, she grabbed a copy and started doing the book. And this woman could quote any self-help guru, anybody. She was, she'd read everything. And she <laughs> said after she got to like day 10 or something, she said, Oh my God, I, my life is changing so rapidly because I'm doing the work in this book. And she said this, she said, every self-help book I ever read, I read it thinking that there would be this, this brilliant idea that would download into me and I would be healed. I would be fixed. I would be happy. And she said, but that never happened. And now that she's actually doing the work herself, she was beginning to feel happy. And that, and it's beautiful. And, and, you know, one of the other things that I noticed is that, um, I, I put out a happiness starter kit is what I call it. And it's all tangible tools. It's, 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 it's similar idea. It's a workbook and I did it and it's very short. And I did it because every client that was coming and sitting in my office was having the same kind of core stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And I thought if I could just do this to make my life a lot easier, yeah, (laughs) hand them this thing and say, start with this. But the funny thing is, is that feedback was like, well, man, this seems so obvious. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, it does seem so obvious, but yet people don't do it. Why is that? And and it's so simple, right? It's exactly. There's only a handful of things that you need to do. It's not like you have to do all the other stuff that's out there. It's it's absolutely true, and 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 find what works for you, and right. work within that. Right, something that's sustainable for you to do, and yeah, I mean, even as simple as just starting your day with some intention every day, mm-hmm. you know, can make such a powerful difference in in the way you're living your life and how you're going out in the world every day. Hmm. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Susan. I, like I said, I've already recommended this, this book because it really is different. I absolutely love it. I'm so thankful I got to have you on the podcast and I just, I am inspired by what you said. I know others will be too. Um, how can people get in touch with you? Um, they can go to my website, Susan, S-U-S-A-N, Burrell, B-U-R-R-E-L-L.com. And you can contact me through there. And you can also then just investigate all the other uh, modalities of things that I do. I love that. And I'll include all of that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for being a guest on BU Find Happy. You're truly living the epitome of what this podcast is all about. Thank you so much. I I have chills as you're saying that. So I'm just sitting in gratitude. Thank you. Thanks. Take care. Okay. You too. Bye -bye. Bye. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.